the message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. Sick, devastated. Actually, one of the, the translations says they were harassed with the circumstances of their life. They were harassed. And then, everyone that was brought to him, he healed them. He laid hands on them and healed them. Interesting. But then, he looked around and saw every other person that he wouldn't be able to get through physically. And he said, the work is plenty. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And he said, pray to the God of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the field. Why? Because the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. So in other words, when God talks to us about fruitfulness and abundance, he's already telling us that the harvest is ready. But would you say yes as God's workman in the field? Would you go and bring in the harvest? The harvest is not in the house. The harvest is in the field. Are we still here? The harvest is in the field. But they ought to be harvested and brought where? To the house. Do you leave them in the field? No. You don't leave them in the field. You, you bring the harvest back to the house. Amen. So Matthew chapter 9 verse 35. And that was the, the part I just referenced. But I would like us to read it again. You know how we're talking about it on Friday. And we've actually been talking about this since the beginning of the year. The scripture that God has given to us regarding this year, which is uh, Isaiah chapter 35, or rather 32 verse 15. It said, until the spirit be poured upon us from on high, that the wilderness will become a fruitful field, and a fruitful field will be counted for a forest. In other words, there is a growth in God's house. There's growth. So a wilderness, a place that never used to be fruitful in any way, he said, it will be considered as a fruitful field. In other words, God's spirit will breathe upon it that things that never used to be alive will become alive. And then the fruitful field will be counted for, for a forest. And God wants to see that happen in your life. God wants to see that happen in our lives as a church, corporately and individually. So he wants to see growth in your life. He wants you to become fruitful and overflow. But you've got to say yes. You've got to say yes. You've got to say yes. Matthew 9. Are we there now? There are a few scriptures we're just going to run through this morning, so... Be ready for it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. 
So Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sicknesses. When he saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you really pay attention, you see that's what's happening in our, in our cities at the moment. Most people don't know where to go. Most people don't know what the solution is. They're getting frustrated. People are getting too anxious these days. Anxiety is taking over. Now, if you count how many people actually go, go in to see um, counselors, there are more of those who are going through anxiety and depression because of what is going on in our cities and at the moment. And that anxiety mostly is out of, I don't know what to do. I feel alone. I seem to be socially inept. I'm socially cut out from every other person. I'm, I, I feel like nothing is going on, nothing is happening. But I feel like so many things, there's so many things that I need to do, but I have no idea what to do. What do I do? But can I say to you that the solution is in Jesus? The answer is in Jesus. And Jesus saw those kind of people in his days. And one beautiful thing about Jesus said he had compassion on them. He had compassion. You know, you cannot help people without compassion coming first. Compassion has to come first. Three things that the scripture said Jesus did. He said he was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. He was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. What was he teaching? He was teaching people how to live a good life through the eyes of God's kingdom. And he was preaching that the kingdom of God is close to them. And then he was healing. So he was not just telling them. He was also providing a solution. So I say, what are we doing in this city if we are not here to be light to this city? We're here to be light to Jamison Town, to Penrith. You know how the scripture talks about it from Judea onto Samaria and onto the uttermost part of the earth, but it starts from somewhere. So we're starting from Jamison Town onto Blue Mountains and Parramatta and then to Queensland and to Darwin, if that's the uttermost part of the earth. But then Jesus said something. In verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. So I pray, God, send workers into your harvest. 
And when I prayed that, God brought you. Right? So workers are here. But would the workers say yes to God? It's a year of fruitfulness. Come on. It's a year of fruitfulness. We could sing that for the rest of the year, and yet there will be no fruitfulness whatsoever. Why? Because you are expecting fruitfulness, or rather fruits, to come into the house. Whereas you are supposed to go out to the field and harvest the fruit. No one will come to Jesus unless you talk to them. We just need to be the one carrying the message to people. And where do you start from if not from your household? Where do you start from if not from your, your friends? Because they are the ones who will hear you first. They are the ones who will see your life and go, I want to be like you. Are we still here? All right. You know, after Jesus said that in chapter 10, that just the next verse, which is chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him and gave them what? Power, authority. He gave them power to drive out what? Evil spirit, impure spirit, and to heal. Oh, come on, follow me. To heal what? All kinds, not just one kind. All kinds of diseases and sicknesses. All kinds, not one. What am I telling you? Is that when you are chosen as a worker and you say yes, one thing that you've got in your toolkit is power. To heal and drive out every form of impure spirit. Every form of evil spirit. See, things are happening in our city that we can stand out as light to take charge in the darkness that's around us. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, it said, Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. He said, but God shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen on you. So in other words, regardless of how dark it is, where you are, there's always a shining light. Because we are the light to the nation. We are the light to the city. A city that is built on a hill that cannot be hid. Say amen to that. John chapter 4 verse 35, Jesus was saying regarding the same thing. He said, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for, for harvest already. They are ripe for harvest already. So even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. First the saying, one sows and another reap, is true. And I want you to see verse 38. That is the biggest part. John 4 verse 38. Can we all read it together? All right, let's start again. Is that okay if we start all together again? 
One, two. Come on. Does that make sense to you? Okay, I, I read it from a different translation. It says, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. How interesting is that? What you have not worked for. You say, others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And that's Jesus' word. That's Jesus saying, hey, the harvest is ready. You did not plant. But I'm asking you to go and harvest. I'm asking you to go. Get the fruit. You didn't work for it. You didn't plant it. Well, I'm asking you, all you've got to do, our job today is just to go out and get the fruit. Get the fruit. And if Jesus said, the fruit is out there, the harvest is ready, it means that we will not come back home without the fruit. I was still here. He said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. You have reaped the benefits of their labor. I love that idea. I love that idea. That all I've got to do is just to go out, be obedient, and get the fruit. But why? Why me? Because he's chosen you. You're chosen. Do you know some, there are some that, go, that he goes, um, no, I don't want you yet. But there are some that he goes, come follow me. For the 12 disciples, there were other people that he met, but he especially chose the 12. Then further still, he chose another 72, or sorry, 70, which made them 82. And continued to grow. But you're chosen. You're chosen. Tell someone sitting by you, you're chosen. You're chosen. You're not just sitting here by, by accident. You're chosen. You're chosen for the job. You're chosen to do the work. You're chosen as a harvester. You're chosen as the worker. If only you say yes. You're chosen. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and I'll give you an idea of what Jesus does with us. Are we there? As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Hear what Jesus said to him. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, which is Jesus himself, has no place to lay his head. What is Jesus telling him? Look, don't come because there's no place for you to stay. <laughs> so, are you sure that's what he's saying? Go to the next verse. He said, now, the other man is not saying to Jesus, but Jesus is now saying to another man. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. 
You see, we all have excuses today why we can't do what we should be doing. But he's called us anyway. There are some that come to Jesus and say, I want to follow you. And Jesus say, hey, hold your peace. Not you. Then he goes to another person and, be, and he is the one calling that person and say, hey, I want you to follow me. And that person comes up with, you know what, I've got shifts. I've got to go bury my father. You know, that is so important. That is so important. I need to go bury my father. But what did Jesus say? Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. How interesting. Why would he say that? Is it because he is not thinking about the loss or the grief that that person is going through? No, not at all. But he knew that that person, if he really cared for his father, he would have been with his father, not where he was. So where he saw him was not with his dead father. So he was just using that as an excuse. Let me go bury my father and I will come back. And he knew such people would never come back. <laughs> have you seen some people that just say, well, yeah, I'll be back. Wait for me 10 minutes. And they never show up. And Jesus knows the heart of men. He knows the heart of everybody. So when you say, I will, but then end up not doing it, Jesus just knows. But when he needs you, he calls you out. On your excuses, he calls you out. He goes, hey, that's an excuse. Stop. Follow me. And go preach the kingdom. Verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. What do you think that is as well? Another excuse. What did Jesus say to him? Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. So in other words, you can't say, I will today and say, I, I don't want to tomorrow. You have to be consistent in what you've said to God. God, I want to do this. I want to be a worker in your house. I want to be a laborer, bringing people into you, God. Do you know why? Because Jesus died for the same reason. To populate the kingdom of God. And you know we pray it all the time, our Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And he's saying to you, go get people into the kingdom. He goes, no, no, let me go bury my father first. Oh, well, you just prayed thy kingdom come. All right, the kingdom is here. Go bring people into the kingdom. You say, ah, well, how about let me go say goodbye to my family first. But you just spread that. It's one thing to say I belong to you. It's another thing to say yes. You know, I can ask any of you, or everyone actually, do you know Jesus? Of course. Most of us will say yes, unless those who have not yet given their lives to Christ and who I believe before the end of this service today, you will, because you're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. 
But if I say, how many of you will go anywhere Jesus sends you? What do you think the answer might be? Let me go and think about it. Hold on for a moment. Let me go, or even the, the religious one goes, let me go pray about it. Right? Let me go pray about it. Let, let, me, let me get to know if, if it's God. Um, God has not told me first. I need to wait for him to reveal to me that he wants me to follow him. You know, we, we become too religious to the point where it is to our demise. And it's not okay. But it's just waiting. Would you say yes? He said, the, the harvest is ready. But the laborers are few. But you are chosen. And the reason, I, the reason I read that scripture is because there was one who came to Jesus and said, I will follow you. And Jesus said, uh-uh, not you. And then Jesus went to another and said, you follow me. And the person started giving excuses. That we're here today means that he has chosen us. He has chosen us. John chapter 15 verse 16 says, you did not choose me. Right? And that was Jesus talking to his disciples and talking to us at the same time. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And this is the big one. And I appointed you. See that? So he chose you, not only that he appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. See, I've chosen you. Another part, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You know, I love Peter. Peter was writing to the church. And he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And he said in verse 10, once you were not a people. In other words, before now, you were not chosen. But now you are the people of God. Say amen to that. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Have we got amplified version? Can you put that up, please? Same scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Amplified. Oh, it's there. Oh, they're very effective. So, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. Do you get it? God's own purchased special people. Can I get you to personalize that? You know, I am a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special person. That I may search for the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am. Once I didn't belong to God, but now I belong to God. Once I was not his people, but now I'm part of his people. And if you're part of his, 
How do you show it? If you can say yes. Say the harvest is ready. But the laborers are few. But would you say yes? Would you say yes to bring in the harvest? It's the year of fruitfulness and abundance. But would you say yes to it? Would you say yes today and determine to say no tomorrow? Would you say yes today just because you want the, the pressure to get off you? Would you say yes today because pastor has always been saying, come on, come on, let's do it, let's do it. You go, oh, well, I just want to get him off my back. All right, yes, I will. Would you say yes with the intention of saying no? You know, at times, you need to leave it to the Holy Spirit. At times, you need to flow by the Holy Spirit. Is it until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high that the wilderness become as a fruitful field and fruitful field become as forest? You see, it has to be by the Spirit of God. You know, at times, your body, all your mindset, everything that you do in life is just too much. You're too busy that you find no space for God. He knows that you're busy. But no matter how busy you are, there is still a space for you to breathe. True? Is there any one minute that passes by that you are too busy to breathe? Come on, talk to me. Oh, why not? Or is there any one day that passes by that you are too busy to eat? Yes? Oh, great. You don't know how you're living. Unless, otherwise, you're a robot. Okay. But is there any day that passes by that you're too busy to sit down and rest for a while or sleep? There's always a space to fit him in. You know, at times, we're just too busy in our head that we can't find the space to rest. Don't be too busy in your life that you don't have an, an opportunity, a space to rest. Rest is compulsory. If you need your system to function at its best, you need to rest. If you need your Christian life to function as its optimum, you need to say yes to God's will. To God's way, to his idea. You see, by the Spirit, when your heart is akin to the Spirit of God, you realize that your mind might be saying no, but your spirit is saying yes. You know, I love the song that says, yes, when I want to say no. Yes, when I don't want to go. Yes. And I'm committed to my word. Yes. And I allow my spirit to take over my body. At, at times, it's interesting and compulsory for our spirit to be in charge of our body. To be in charge of our mind. Because at times, when you allow your mind to take over, you, you, you're doomed. How many of you here, can I ask a very interesting question? That there are things that go through your mind. And if by, for some reason, we have... Um, a way to look into your mind. How many of you feel like you, you won't be embarrassed? You know, for the kind of things that go through your mind in a day. 
if we are given a peek into seeing every detail of it, some of us will be embarrassed, right? If we are left to our minds, we'll veer off God's way. But when you are left to your spirit, because your spirit is akin to God's spirit, it will always function in the best of places with God. One last one before I close. Isaiah chapter 6. Are you there? And I'm going to just quickly rush through from verse 1. But the verse that I'm actually going to is verse 8. Isaiah 6. In the year, I'm reading from the New International Version. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, this is Isaiah talking. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices... The doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I, I cried. Who's talking now? Isaiah. And Isaiah is going, after seeing all of these amazing, wonderful things, he goes, oh, Whoa, man, I'm little. I'm terrible. I can see where I am. I'm nothing. So he's looking at the vulnerability of, him, of his own life. He said, woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Just by the show of a little glimpse of heaven, he realized the frailty of his own life. He said, I realize I'm a person of unclean lips, living with unclean people, and living an unclean life. He said, but now my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. He said, and then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, and he had taken with, it, with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. As I responded to the call, would you respond to the call? Thank you. Thanks. And why did Isaiah re respond to the call? We don't know. And possibly God has been calling before then, and Isaiah failed to hear. But until he was made to see glimpses of heaven. How many of us are waiting for 
interesting and weird things to happen first before you believe it's God that is calling. It took Isaiah, it took King Uzziah to die for Isaiah to recognize the presence of God. So the year that King Uzziah died, it became a reference point to when Isaiah started to realize God's presence. See, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. And his strength filled the temple. Everyone was filled with smoke. Oh, oh, oh come on. One, one minute. Let's just say that's what's happening here right now. And this whole place is filled with smoke. Not the artificial one that will pump up. All right? But all of a sudden, you start to see a cloud. And then you start to see thunders and all those interesting things. How would you feel? Exactly the same way Isaiah felt. And at that very point, if God says, who shall go for us? Every one of us will go, yeah, I will go. Why? Because we have seen a glimpse of heaven that bamboozles us to comply. Do we have to see that first to say yes? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we, re we need to respond by faith. We need to respond by faith. To God's calling. To go, yes, I will. I don't have to see the seraphims, the, the strange one that has six wings. I don't have to see strange things for me to be able to say, God, yes, I will. I don't have to see thunder and lightning and, and all the strange voices to be able to say, God, I will. Because I believe he has chosen me. And if he has chosen me, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'll say yes to your will and to your way. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. He's not saying go and sow. He's saying go and reap. He said the hard work has been done for you. So in other words, when we go out to speak to people about the kingdom of God and about his life, about his son, there is every tendency. No. There is every assurance that they will respond to you. Because Jesus said so. Because Jesus said, the fruit is ready. The harvest is ripe. You just need the laborers. So today, I'm talking to you to see if I can inspire you to say yes to God. To say yes to his will. To say yes. A full heart yes. Commitment to God. To say, God, I'll do this. You don't have to send down smoke. You don't have to send down fire. I'll do this because I just believe you. You don't have to prove yourself that you are God. I know already by my spirit that you are God. And I'll do this anytime. Can anyone say that? Can anyone say that? Can anyone say, I will stand? I will stand when you call. Said, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. At times, today we want to be seen, but not to be sent. So instead you go, here am I. Send Kate. You know? But you know how these days, there's every tendency that when we ask, who would like to do this? We kind of 
almost naturally point to another person without pointing to ourselves first. And do you know what that kind of shows? That shows that we don't always see the potential that we have. We always think other people have got better potentials than we do. But God has chosen you and loaded you with what? Authority. He said he sent the disciples out and gave them authority. Never forget that you've got the authority. And you never know how it works until you start to put it into work. Are we still here? You know, I could give you this microphone and say, hey, talk to us about what God you know, has been speaking to you. And you will possibly do much more than I'm doing right now. But whilst you're sitting there and some of you are even thinking, oh, really? No, 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 I can't. But not until you put it to work. Not until you say, God, I'm here. Send me. Okay, I'm available. Send me. Okay, use me. And that is why whenever I stand here all the time, I'm saying, God, don't use my own ideas. Use your ideas. You speak through me. Because if it's my idea, or possibly some of you might be dancing right now, but those ideas will fall out while you're just stepping out the walls. But because it's God's idea, by tomorrow morning, my voice will still be ringing in your ears. Say yes to God's will. Say yes to his way. Say yes. And at times, one of the ways to say yes is when you see the, the things that you used to just go, oh, well, that doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit kind of speaks to your heart and goes, ah, what do you think about that? Say, oh, yes, I will. You start to respond to God in every situation of life. There's nothing wrong with going to uh, the doctors. There's nothing wrong with, with you know, going to the hospital and all of that. But at times, the Holy Spirit can prompt you first to just give thanks to God for that particular situation that you're going through. Then before you go to the doctors, that when you get to the doctors, the job has already been done. And they go, oh, we thought it was that, but it's not. You know, doctors are all, you know, sometimes wrong. No, they were not wrong. It's just that before you came back to them, the Holy Spirit has done his job in you. Say yes to his will. Say yes to his way. Say yes to being a worker who will bring fruits to God's house. In the name of Jesus. Can we stand on our feet? The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us by email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Trans Edge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419.